He's Christian. He's Jimmer. Welcome back to Two Physical Therapists and a Bag of Chips. No, a bag of homestyle pretzels. Yes. Not chips. But we have to say thank you, Marianne Dewey. We appreciate it, even if Jimmer's not super on board. The Pride of Dakota. I guess these are uh, world famous. Yeah. I feel Dakota. like Dave would have given these to us at some point. Dave knows I don't eat pretzels. Yeah. That's why he would have done it. A good point, yeah. Anyways, today's topic is modalities. Yes. So what is a modality? It's the application of a therapeutic agent. I hope that cleared it up for you guys. In the Netherlands, we call it fysiotherapy in Engerzin. There you have it. So most people are pretty familiar with, with e-stim and versions of e-stim and ultrasound. Light therapy is much more common these days, as is shockwave therapy, things like paraffin, wax. Underneath the subheading of, of E-STEM, we have TENS, which people are probably pretty familiar with as well, which is transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation. Sure. This is the most popular one because uh, Medicare will pay for it. So if Medicare pays for it, everyone else will kind of pay for it, and that's pretty much how that works. TENS is specifically pain control. Yeah, so it works to block the ion channel gate. The ion channel gate is responsible for sending pain signals to your brain. If you block that, you don't get pain signals in your brain, and so uh, you feel you feel better. Very simple example I use all the time is if a child falls, bumps its knee, runs over to mom, mom rubs it really hard, it kind of desensitizes or overstimulates the area, and the pain goes away. Yeah. Similar to that, what we use here is, is interferential. Interferential works on local endorphin release and also local vasodilation. Uh, so when you rub the skin, that's when you get the, the endorphin release, which is slightly different than the TENS, which is the, the ion channel gate getting blocked. But at the end of the day, they both kind of uh, help with pain management. TENS is nice because you can kind of turn it on and leave it on for a long period of time. Interferential is nice because you can put it on for a shorter period of time and because endorphins are released, you'll have a carryover effect. So you may get between one and, and two or three hours of carryover after that machine is off, uh, which is pretty nice. Plus you get the vasodilation, which helps with increasing uh, basically blood flow to that area. Uh, it increases the size of the artery, the vein, and the lymphatic tissue in that area and that helps just move fluid and, and, and blood around, which is a nice opportunity. Yeah, and interferential tends to be more comfortable to apply than TENS. TENS can be a little bit more aggressive um, just because of the pulse rate that it uses. So pros and cons of each. Yeah, the other uh, e-stims that you don't hear about quite as often are NMES, which is neuromuscular electrical stimulation. Sometimes this is also called Russian. There's some debate on whether or not they're the same or they're different. But in both cases, they're they're basically working to cause a muscle to contract, so you get muscle stimulation out of those. Those can be helpful sometimes with recovery, a lot of times with trying to have somebody feel what a certain muscle is supposed to do again. So if you're having a hard time with somebody activating their quad, you can put it on there and they can feel what the quad is supposed to do, and that can be a nice way to help teach somebody what their muscles are supposed to do. After some pretty extensive research, they found that NMES by itself won't cause the muscle to actually get any stronger, but it does certainly help as part of a education system to get somebody to be able to use those muscles again. So again, some pros and cons there. It's not as passive uh, as they would hoped it would have been. Um, so you still have to be an active participant in it, but it does certainly help. 
And the last one is something called high volt. Uh, this is something you don't hear or see very often. I haven't ever personally used it in the clinic. I've, I've used it as, as a student to learn about it, but never as an actual application. It doesn't feel good. And the, it's predominantly used for inflammation control, and also they say they can use it for, for wound care. And, and so we don't do really wound care here, so that's, that's probably why we don't Not know, if we can help it. come across it very often. And, and, you know, with all of these things, there's a lot of research out there, and there's positives and negatives for any claim that's made. And so it's always kind of hard to figure out exactly what's happening to cause the response that people are getting. But in my opinion, if, if somebody feels better when they use it and, and there's really no downside to any of them, then I don't see any problem with using them. If, if it makes you feel better, if it allows you to participate in your regular activities more comfortably or at a higher performance level, use it. Game on. I agree fully. And if, it, uh, you know, if it's just all mental, great. We know the placebo effect is very strong. We know it, it accounts for, for a significant percentage of, of improvement in individuals. If you think it's going to work for you, it's going to work for you. So... You know, if that's all we're getting, great. It's, it's totally yeah. safe. We so. could probably spend a whole episode talking about the placebo effect, right? I don't know Definitely. why there's such a negative connotation to placebo. Because it, it, people make it believe like, like you're cheating or like, it, at the end, it's all about getting better. So yeah. if you feel better, it doesn't matter what makes you feel better. If you're feeling better, that's the end goal. Now, that doesn't necessarily have to come at all cost, but you stem, not a big price. No. Yeah. And, you know, if it makes you feel better and it helps you settle down and you feel more comfortable when you leave, great. I mean, it, you know, if it helps with, with, with buy-in initially to, to get you involved in physical therapy and get you being able to do some exercises, great. I'm all, I'm all for using it in, in any way that will benefit the patient, even if the evidence isn't necessarily the strongest for it at all times. Agreed. Well put. And similar to that, we have, we have ultrasound, which is another fairly common modality in physical therapy. They say it does what's called capillary response or, or like a deep heating of tissues. I mean, this can be tendon and muscle and ligament. And there's a lot of different settings you can go with, and there's a lot of different options you can do there. In most cases, if somebody comes in and asks for ultrasound, I'm going to do it to them, even if I don't necessarily think it's the, the most effective or appropriate treatment. If somebody wants it, I'll do it. And in other cases, I find that it, it can be very, very beneficial for somebody who's, who's, who's sensitive or worried or uncomfortable with with any kind of manual therapy to that area or if somebody needs some desensitization, it's a nice way to give somebody a therapeutic application of desensitization without having to rub, you know, a tissue on their skin. If you put a gel medium on there and you're very light with your pressure, you can get a desensitization effect and that can be exactly what you're looking for, even though maybe that's not necessarily the intended purpose of, you know, any of these modalities. But at the end of the day, a modality is, as we mentioned, just a therapeutic agent. So as long as you're using it in a therapeutic manner, again, I don't really see any issue uh, with using it. You're not going to cause any harm to any individual. And, and that's really what it comes down to, I think, at the end of the day. Uh, within ultrasound, there's something called uh, phonophoresis. This is where ultrasound is used to, to essentially drive a medication deep into the skin. Uh, there's something similar to this with e-stim, which is called iontophoresis. This is, again, where you use electrical stimulation to drive a medication into the skin. Uh, these are things that, that we don't do here, but they are available in other areas. And, and in some cases, some uh, physicians will request these treatments. And the use there can, can be for calcium deposits or, or other kind of um, 
bony growth that may occur. So you'll see it for a, for a heel spur or something. Somebody will do something like this on occasion. Yeah, so <clears throat> sometimes ionophoresis is used for loosening up scar tissue as well. Sure. So any kind of fibrous structures. Um, so those are out there. Again, we don't particularly do them, but they have merit. The other newer ones are, are light therapy, and this can be anything within that realm. The best evidence that I've been able to find for it is that it's, it, it's useful in seasonal affective disorder. So individuals who, who struggle with winter because it's so, so dark all the time, uh, they will use light therapy, basically sit them in front of a lamp and they will suck in some vitamin D. So those are very specific lights that, that, that are able to do that. Um, light therapy for, for tissue or for, for, for healing, they, they say it potentially increases localized ATP production. Um, ATP is basically cellular energy. And so if there's more ATP available, there's more energy available, which means your healing should go more quickly. Yeah, they use different varieties. This is something that was bigger, um, um, you know, back when I was in PT school, uh, using ultraviolet or infrared for uh, tissue stimulation. Um, sometimes it works on people with psoriasis or other skin lesions. And I know that they use it in, um, in wound care. And again, that's not something that we do here, but in hospitals they may use... Uh, they, they may use light therapy in that sense for, uh, for wound care. The other one that's newer is shockwave therapy. I'm not personally familiar with, with shockwave therapy really at all. The best I could sort of figure out, to put it briefly, is that it causes microtrauma, and that microtrauma is then a way of promoting healing. That's about as much as I could figure out on it. Um, treatment sessions appear to be about 30 minutes or so, so it's a, it's a fairly long uh, treatment. And again, I don't have any personal experience with this, so, so I can't speak to it um, beyond kind of that basic level there. Yeah, I know it's used in treatment of uh, plantar fasciitis and, and bone spurs sometimes too. The other one that you'll see pretty often is, is like a paraffin wax, and this is predominantly used as a heat modality for, for hands and feet, um, areas that have kind of odd contours and shape where it's hard to put on, a, on like, a, like a hot pack or a cold pack. There's also usually some sort of... Uh, herbs and spices, so to speak, kind of blended into that <laughs> wax. Um, and those will provide some sort of stimulation or relief or, or whatever. Again, not something we use, use here. But. It, it's something that's used quite often in, in Europe. So it originated in Germany and in Austria in, um, in what they called Kurorts, which were like you know, places that you would go to and you would take a mud bath. They could also make these mud applications some of them are called parafango, where you mix mud and paraffin, and, and they definitely do apply, you know, like menthol or other, other um, herbs in order to promote um, circulation. That's basically what it boils down to. Um, but the, and they, we, we, we learned that actually in school, how to make a parafango pack. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. Okay. And then the last one, the most common one, are, are heat and, and cold. And so this can be a hot pack, a cold pack. This can be... Um, something like a game ready, which has compression and all the other stuff as well. This can be anything that in increases heat or, or, or increases cold in an area. And so, um, you know, those are, we've covered in a different podcast already. So feel free to check that one out. We'll put the link um, at the bottom of the page here. So feel free to check that out. But in general, I mean, do modalities provide value? And, and I think in general they do. Um, are they all backed by science? Not necessarily, and so that's up for debate, certainly. None of them will cause harm, so at the end of the day, if, if the patient feels better when that happens, perfect, then we're going to do that. 
Yeah, and when, when Christian says none of them cause harm, you know, there are some contraindications and situations where we wouldn't want to use heat or ultrasound or, but, you know, those are, those are um, questions that we ask everybody. So, um, but if somebody is clear to have heat or ice or ultrasound or electrical stim applied to them, there's definitely not any kind of, any kind of negative effect to, to applying that. I can't remember, did you, did you mention diathermia or ultra short wave? No, I didn't okay. mention those. That, that's no. something that has been no. up and coming here as well. It's, uh, it's basically creating a magnetic field, so you're using electromagnetic fields, um, all with the same purpose, increasing circulation. Um, it's, it's something that is used in, in Europe extensively, and I know it's been coming over here. You, you have to use um, a special room to treat somebody in, because you, since you create a magnetic field, it's like creating a small microwave. So you have to put them in a Faraday cage so that you contain the, the uh, electromagnetic waves. I know somebody asked me about this not too long ago, if we did this. So I don't know if it's something that's relatively new to the US, but I know in Europe it's, it's, it's used quite, quite extensively, almost as a warm-up. So you, you have these two discs that you put on either side of a joint, put them in a wooden chair for 15 minutes because you can't sit on anything metal. <laughs> and um, and it, it feels nice and warm. So just thought I'd throw that in there. No, definitely. That's a great ad. Great ad. Trivia time? I like it. Last week's trivia question, what is the highest paved road in the United States? Easy. This was a little bit of a local question. It's the Mount Evans Scenic Byway. Uh, we had plenty of correct answers on this one. Cool. McKenna got it right. Nice, Homer. Kim got it right. Nice, Cam. Danielle Kunkel got it right. Carrie got it right. That's because they've all rode up it on their bikes. Yes, they have. Yeah. Fools. Yep. Uh, we have to say uh, good guesses by Robert. Robert. He said Colfax, where all the hippies hang out. Get it? Oh. Yeah. Rob's a thinker. He's he's a funny he's a funny one. And then uh, Amanda also gave us the road through Rocky Mountain National Park, which is not a bad guess, but. Trail Rich Road, yeah, I think it's it's um, eleven thousand or something. Yeah, but yeah, the the road up to Mount Evans is clearly up to fourteen, one seventeen or something like that. Yeah, it's it's way up there. And um, then uh, Nickel guessed Pikes Peak, which is also a fourteener, which is really close, but unfortunately just a little off. And, and it's not it's not paved. It is now. The, the, is it all the way to the top? Um, huh. They did that just a, a year ago or two. Okay. I think. So the Pikes Peak, you know, hill climb is now a fully paved. A fully paved one, huh? Yeah. That's not nearly as as challenging as it was on the Back on gravel. Point. Half gravel, half yeah. paved. You have to mix it up the whole way through. Nope. But this week's question, we are doing: What is the most visited monument? That's not the right wording. What's the yeah? Wording? So the most visited, ticketed. Monument. So it's a monument or a, or, or, or a man-made structure that people visit uh, worldwide um, that you have to buy a ticket for. So like the Grand Canyon, even though it's it not necessarily man-made, and then there are, you know, monuments that you don't have to buy a ticket for. But this is so the most visited touristic monument that is ticketed. In the world. In the world. That's right. Um... Get your guesses. Everybody's sitting at home now, so yeah, lots of resources out there. If you want to cheat, cheat or away. just send us your guesses. Cheat, cheat away. Cheat, 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 cheat away. We, we don't know. How are we going to know? If you're cheating? No, no. This is all honor system, right? Yeah, we have no idea. It's bragging rights. Yeah. Chip time. No, pretzel time.
Yeah, pretzel time. And I was going to cheat. I was going to eat. We have these chocolate-covered peanuts, courtesy of Terry, who are absolutely delicious. So I was going to crunch on those, but I won't. I'll, uh... He's going pretzel here. I'm going pretzel. We're probably going to have to shake some out. I don't think we want to both reach into the into the box, huh? Okay, okay. It's All right. box. It's a, it's it's a, a little bag. Baggy. So we've got the Dots Homestyle Pretzels. Pretzel to air ratio is like 80%. These things are really full. This is the small bag. This is a five-ounce bag. What is in a pretzel? Flour and salt and oil. Corn. Corn and everything. Corn. Artificial butter. It smells, they smell buttery. It's from the beautiful town of Velva, North Dakota. It tastes like a pretzel. Yeah. Not happy. I mean, they're, um, they're buttery, they're salty. Yeah, they're just not. They're not. I, I, I got a, a version of pretzels, so. Um, they're not super crispy. They're, they're pretty good. Are I'm, they? I'm going to give it a one thumb. Yeah, I can eat pretzels. Well, I'm going to give it a two thumbs down. And again, that has nothing to do with the quality of this product. It may be super delicious and well-made. Um, I'm just not a pretzel guy, so please don't not buy it because I gave it two thumbs down. If you're a pretzel person, this may be absolutely delicious. Not, not for me, though. Not for you. Sorry, Marianne. Nothing personal. Thank you for listening today. Next episode, we're going to cover scapular winging. So we'll talk about some causes and some similarities and some other issues along those lines. Ooh, I like that one. We are going to review the Lay's Hot Chili Squid. So those are Lay's of Thailand, compliments of Cam again. If you like today's show, please tell your friends, follow, review, subscribe. If you want more information on modalities, follow us this week on Instagram, Twitter. If you need more information on Rebound Therapy and Wellness Clinic, head to our website, reboundclinic.com. He's Jimmer, I'm Christian. Thanks for listening.